Happy New Year. Now this morning, we want to take it as a, a special occasion. Of course, uh, Christmas is not usually on, uh, on Sunday. And, and because of that, now we have New Year's on Sunday. And so I get a chance to talk to you, maybe before you broke any of your resolutions. Maybe. Or maybe, uh, maybe you kind of wait till New Year's Day. And so I can get to you before you've made any of your New Year's resolutions. Or maybe I can encourage you, even though you seem to always fail, and you maybe thought about not being, having resolutions this year, that maybe I can convince you that there are some resolutions that are worth ha having. I would like for you to uh, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Second uh, Thessalonians, excuse me. Second Thessalonians 1, 10 through 12. In these, these couple of verses, we have Paul describing to the Thessalonians how he and the other leaders pray for them. Uh, and he prays that they would be a church that is resolved to do good works of faith. I believe that not only does God desire New Year's resolutions, I believe that God desires us to be resolved with monthly resolutions, with weekly resolutions. I would say daily resolutions, to be resolved daily. And here's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. Says this, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our, of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The church of Thessalonians was a very good church. If you, if you look back at the beginning of both letters in the opening greetings, I mean, Paul is pouring on praise. He all, doesn't always do that. I mean, he, sometimes he just gets right going, hey, this is what you need to change. But the Thessalonians, he says, hey, I mean, you've been, word is spread, and, and we're hearing about your reputation as as people that are full of good works, people that are preaching the gospel. And man, he, just, he starts off by establishing that they are a good church. And yet, he is still praying that they would become even more worthy of their calling. He doesn't just say, hey, man, y'all are great. Y'all are a good church. Keep it up. No, he, he actually prays here that they would grow, that they would even be more worthy of the calling that has been placed on their life uh, as Christians. I was recently talking to a pastor friend of mine, and, and my buddy's church is, uh, is just really, uh, years ago, it was just a bohemian, a giant of a church, just an amazing uh, church doing amazing things, and, and over the years, there, there's some things that begin to happen, and, and just through all a series of events, the, the church has just not been doing well. I mean, so much so, I mean, it was down to, to nothing. And they're essentially having to, 
to be reborn, to kind of die and be re reborn and, and just see what God wants to do there on that church property. And we were talking about the challenges of that, but that's hard to see a good church go downhill and then to try to bring that church back. And we got to talk about our churches. Uh, his church is similar to, to us here at Wide. And we kind of begin to talk about, but you know, it's also challenging at times to be a good church to take that next step to be a great church, right? Because when you're a good church, we, I mean, I, I, I believe by most definitions you would say that Wyatt's a good church at least. I mean, you can point to, to great things that are happening, that great ministries that are that are going on in our church and growing and, and uh, influence in the community, loving people in our community. Uh, the gospel is being spread uh, through efforts of our people. And so I think by any definition, we would say that we are good. But my prayer for Wyatt in 2017, my prayer for my own life is that, as a pastor here, is that God, uh, I'm sorry, that good won't cut it. That good won't cut it, but that we would all desire to be great. And not just great by some definition of, hey, reach this many members or uh, have this kind of budget. Not the greatness I'm talking about. When I talk about greatness, I'm, I'm talking about being the church that God would have us be. A people that are, as this verse says, are living a life worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. And I think this text gives us a template for the, for the new year. So I want to kind of just through a sentence kind of sum up, paraphrase what this verse is saying and that's where we'll, we'll go here. We will be a great church. We'll be a great church when we are a people that are growing into our calling by being personally resolved for good works and that are that those good works are fulfilled through faithful dependence on God's power. That we would be resolved to do good works, to be who we need to be, to resolve that, hey, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do in 2017, but to also do it with absolute dependence on God, knowing that we've got to have God at every step of the way, or it is meaningless. As the song we just sang, our efforts will fail apart from the glory of Christ. First thing I want us to, to, to see how we bring glory to Christ in 2017 is that we bring glory to Christ when we grow into our calling. Look what it says in verse 10. That our God may make you worthy of his calling. Isn't it amazing that in Christianity, the call comes before the worthiness. That's a very important distinction, folks. Most religions, or I'd say all other religions, are in some form are saying, hey, pray this many times, do this many good works, give this much money to the poor, and maybe, just maybe, God will see that you're worthy. That maybe God will just say, hey, he's he or she is worthy to be on my team. I want you as part of my team. I'm going to save you. But that is not what we have in Christianity. 
In Christianity, God comes to the absolute, unworthy, rebellious sinner and calls us out saying that you are mine. You don't look like much now. You don't look like anything right now. But I'm pulling you. I'm, I'm calling you out. You are mine. I'm calling you. And now, I'm giving you my spirit and and you're going to grow, and, and we're going to have life together, and, we're gonna, and, and you're going to love and, and serve me, and you're going to grow into this great calling that I just placed on you. For Christmas, my, my three-year-old, uh, I, I think my mother-in-law got them, or, or maybe they're hand-me-downs, but they're princess dresses, and they're way too big. They're way too big. But when your three-year-old wants to play dress-up in princess dresses, you don't say, these look ridiculous on you. These are too big. No, you say, let's put them on. You're going to be princess today. So she puts them on, and, but she looks silly. I mean, they're just, they're just, it's just nothing is fitting right. It's just gaudy and, and huge. But I know that before I know it, they're going to fit perfectly. And not long after that, they're going to be tight. And she's going to have to get some more dresses. And I know even before I know it, she's going to trade those dresses in for a wedding dress. And oh, God help me on that. Right now, she's a silly princess in princess clothes that don't fit. But one day, she's going to be a radiant bride. And this is actually great picture of justification and sanctification. At the moment of salvation, we are a small, childish, immature sinner that is totally unfit for the righteous garments of Christ that are given to us by God. He clothes us through justification. He puts those garments on us, however ill-fitting they may be. But that is just the beginning of his work in our earthly lives as he brings us into conviction and resolve and helps us to begin to grow. And, and the reality is, we're never going to fit perfectly in those righteous clothes of Christ into glorification. As long as we are sinners on this earth, we will continue to fall short. Which is why we daily need God's grace. But hopefully, and I think if we're living the life that, Christian, that, that God's called us to live, every year that goes by, we look a little better in our garments. We look a little better clothed in Christ's righteousness. And, and hopefully by the end of our life, they, they fit, not perfectly, but, but pretty well. So the question I would ask you as you look at 2017 is are you resolved to grow in such a way that you would be more worthy of the calling that God's already placed on your life if you're a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus? You know, those who have you know, those who have no interest in being worthy of the calling of God. Those who say, I've received my call to salvation, so I'm not really rest, interested in the hard work of being worthy of it. I'll take the heaven ticket 
But I don't want to live in holiness and I surely have no desire to evangelize and make disciples. That's just not me. But what a spinning in the face of God's calling to, to take what he offers up front and then when we get it, say, you know what, God, I'm not really interested in any of the things you've told me to do or who you've told me to be or the fact that you've told me to take the gospel that I just received and give it to others. I'm just not interested. But thank you for heaven. I have great, great difficulty believing that any person who has truly been called by God can have a heart with a lifelong dismissiveness of the things he's called. I just, I believe that. that if, if there's no desire in your life to in any way grow as a Christian, to in any way grow to be more worthy of the calling that you receive in God, you really, really need to kick the tires of your salvation and your salvation experience. Because something is desperately wrong. There's others who have a desire to be worthy of calling of the calling. Man, you just feel like a failure. He said, I want to live a life worthy of the calling of 2017, but I've been here before and I always seem to fail. I don't know how many times I start that Bible reading plan in January, and man, when February and March rolls around, I hit Leviticus, I bail. I've often resolved that one sin that, that I keep going back to, and I, I rid myself of it for a couple of months, but it always seems come back and haunt me. I always say, I always make resolutions that I'm going to share the gospel. And when it comes down to it, my fear, my, my feelings of inadequacy just keep me. They rob me of that initial resolve. And I would say to you this morning is don't give up just because you failed in the past. Don't ever say that I'm just tired of resolving to do good works and to do great things because I've failed. I'll encourage you, if you haven't already, to sit down today and write down what you are resolved to do for God's honor and for his glory. And next we see that we bring glory to Christ when we resolve in our will to do good. Or God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Let's talk about this phrase. May fulfill every resolve for good. Of course, resolve here is, is kin to the word resolution, uh, where we get our New Year terms, New Year's resolution. But most commonly, you'll find this verse translated as a desire for good. But the idea here is that the Christian should have in his or her, her heart a desire, a resolve to do good things, to do good and worthy things. I think sometimes the problem is, is, that, is that we're waiting for God to show, us, show, uh, show up and tell us what to do. 
Like just to somehow maybe, maybe just tell me, what do I really need to be doing here? And God's saying, I've already told you what you need to be doing. Yeah, you need to, you need to listen to my spirit and, and my spirit will guide you in the specifics. But the big ideas of what you're to be doing as a Christian, I've already laid that out. And we, are we, we, we wait and say, God, zap me with desire. And God says, hey, you have a desire. It's there. You've just got to start responding to it and allow the spirit to, to fan that desire into a flame of passion. When I say that God has told us what we should be doing, there's really two places where God is, where, where Jesus in the Gospels, he just sums it up. He just sums up in two places what our lives as Christians are to be about. Someone came to you and said, what's the most important commandment? He said, I can't give it to you in one, I can give it to you in two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's, that's it. Second, is that you will love your neighbor as yourself. He said, hey, that's the prophets and all that, that flesh, it fleshes it out. The rest of the scriptures, it fleshes that out. And so we need all that stuff, but when it comes down to it, the bare bones of what we're to be doing is loving God and loving others. And the other summary that Jesus gives us is right before he goes to heaven. He, he, it's really more of a review uh, than the first time he said it, but the great commission in which he says, make disciples of all nations. And so he leaves saying the goal of what you should desire to do, what you should be doing as a Christian is making disciples, is reproducing yourself by giving other people the gospel, by teaching them what I've taught you to create more disciples to worship. So when it comes down to it, if we really want to break it down, what is the good that we as Christians are to be resolved to do? The good is love God, love others, and make disciples of all nations. Those three things are it. Everything else is the meat, the bone, and there's the meat on the bones of that. So you want to know what your daily resolve should be, your daily resolution should be this. It should be to love God, to make choices today that God would be pleased with. That's when you love somebody, you, you seek to please them. And so if you're loving God, you seek to please him with the choices you make. The second, you love others. You think about how can I bless others today? How can I treat others with love and kindness? How can I... I, I do that with my family. How can I do that with the people I work with? How can I do that with my neighbor? And then, how is my life engaged in making disciples? How are people hearing about Jesus through me? How are you people being taught about Jesus as teachings through me? You know, it's not that we don't know these things, uh, know what these things are that we should be doing. It's just simply easier to do the things that come naturally. 
it's easier to, to live life than just everything just just to coast through life without really stopping to say, what would God have me to do? That's why resolve is needed. It's, it's hard to stand in the middle of everything, of the trivialities that are trying to sweep us away and stand resolved that I'm going to be about eternal things. I'm going to be about godly things. It's just simply easier to scroll through Facebook at bedtime than it is to scroll through John. Look at John. It's easier. It's easier to, to binge watch shows on Netflix. You don't even have to push a button. It just counts down 10 seconds till the next one starts. And you think, I really should go love my neighbor. But in 10 seconds, this is going to stop. I'm just going to go with the, with the Netflix. So you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm speaking from experience. It's so much easier to say, man, disciple making, that's for missionaries. That's for people in the jungles. That's, that's, that's what that commission was about. But no, y'all, it wasn't. It was about you. It was about you and your relationship with your kids, making disciples out of them. It's about uh, your coworkers and, and the people you, that live next door to you. That is what that verse is about. It's not just about jungles. Who knows where? It's, it's about where you live. Folks, what is easy and trivial always pull us away from what is glorious unless we stand resolved to do good things, do hard things. But it is, the, it is those good things, it is those good eternal things that are hard to do that will bring eternal reward. If you rake, you get leaves and dirt and maybe a few sticks. If you resolve to dig, that's where the diamonds and gold are. And so it is with life. Sometimes you must be, you just simply must be resolved to do the things of God, even when it's so, it's so, we can waste so many years of our lives and just trivialities. Taking us away from what truly matters. I've seen it in my life, and I know you've seen it in yours. And lastly, we bring glory to Christ when we have faith-filled dependence on his power. We see Paul not just praying for resolve for good in the heart of a man. We see him praying that God would give them dependence on God. First of all, he's praying here, right? He's He's praying that God will do these things in the hearts of the people. He's not just saying, hey, people, straighten up. Be good. No, he's, he's, that's the very reason he's saying, hey, every time we think of you, every time uh, we can, we pray for you that God would continue the work that he's already doing in your life. And notice right here when it talks about the resolve, every resolve for good, Paul is praying says God, uh, that God would fulfill every resolve for good. That God will fulfill it. That God will fulfill the resolve. Okay? So we decide in our hearts we're going to do something, but we must understand that it is God who will fulfill it. It will be God who gives us the power and strength to 
sustain those efforts of resolve. It's even talked about here, work of, uh, that we do work of faith by his power. And so, so Paul, it's, it's, it's this important, Proverbs 69 is a great summation of it. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And some of us, we, we tend to fail in one, in, in one of two ways when it comes to really living the Christian life. is We just sit around and we wait for God to tell us to do something. We wait for God to tell us what he's really already told us. Or we wait just, man, God's going to zap me. Like one day I'm going to be in church and he's just going to zap me uh, full of desire and passion. And I'm just going to walk out the door and, man, I'm going to be an evangelistic fool. I think so often God is saying, man, get out there and resolve it. Hey, I'm just going to go tell somebody about Jesus. I'm just going to ask that coworker to lunch. And then God, as you begin to do it, and, and, and Mike Brown has talked about this before, that that desire, the gift of evangelism, sometimes you don't know you have it until you start doing it. And God awakens this desire the more that you actively go out there and pursue God or and pursue opportunities for the gospel more God gives you desire and, and, and enjoy it. Either, either you're that and wait on God to zap you, or you're just out there doing it. Like, you just, you can't sit still. You're out there doing it. But it's not, you're not inviting God along. If you're not praying, you're just, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do my, do my thing. Just, I just need to be busy. We see in these verses is that what Paul is praying is that is that they would be a people that are resolved and a people that are absolutely dependent as well. And that's where I think many of us will fail. We fail in the past in our resolutions. Either it's just all us. And know God, or it's just us waiting on God to zap us, so just doing what needs to be done, and, and then, then His power coming along with us. We will be a great church when we are a people that are growing into our calling by being personally resolved for good works that are fulfilled through faithful dependence on God's power. 